Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Good morning and welcome back to our OIS podcast series. Uh, We're branching out a bit this morning, or actually branching up, I suppose. Uh, Over the past weeks, I've had many great conversations with folks from startups, uh, investors, and physicians. Today, we're moving up the ladder a bit to the strategic level. Joining me is Dirk Zauer, the global head development of the ophthalmology franchise at Novartis, to talk about the view from the top. Hello, Dirk. Thanks for taking some time today. You're welcome. Great. You, uh, you're relatively new, I guess, to ophthalmology compared to some of the other folks I've talked to. You, you sort of moved into the sector in, in 2005. I guess you're coming upon your, your 10th anniversary, so happy anniversary. Uh, Thanks. What do you think of the uh, of this sector? Uh, how has it changed over those 10 years? It's been a, a, an interesting 10 years, and, and how has it treated you? Yeah, I think I, I was lucky to come uh, into the sector at a time where, you know, uh, really a lot of happened and a lot of new developments happened and of course this was largely driven you know if you talk about the retina field which is actually the field i'm been working in uh, all this time this was largely driven by the anti-vgfs you know namely for us lucentis uh, is the one which we have developed together with genentech and uh, you know i think the field has really changed a lot i mean when i came on in 2005 Basically, when we talk about a disease like that AMD, we had uh, Visodine as the, the only pharmacological treatment which was approved. And basically, all this treatment did was slowing down the loss of visual acuity. So it prevented people from getting completely blind or it delayed them getting blind, but it didn't really improve uh, their vision at all. And of course, with the appearance of Lucentis, you know, this was an, another anti-VGF, it completely shifted. So, I mean, um, we now uh, can treat red AMD patients with uh, drugs which basically improve their visual acuity and bring it back to, for many patients, close to normal. And I think that is a great achievement and it was really great to be part of that, uh, you know, shift and that journey. And also we are now treating uh, many other diseases uh, in back of the eye like diabetic macular edema, retinal vein occlusion, pathologic myopia with, with these pharmaceutical treatments, which, you know, we didn't do before. Like for DME, we, we had the laser, but we didn't have any, uh, you know, really approved pharmacological treatment. So I think it has been a very dynamic field from, from that point of view, but also for, if you look at technologies, for example, you know, when I came on, OCT basically just started, and now we have the second, third generation of OCT machines, you know, we can get, look more and more into the substructures of the, of the retina. Uh, so, you know, also there, you know, the, te- the technological development is amazing. So very dynamic field. A lot of has happened in, in the last 10 years and it's continuing. So I see this, you know, not, it hasn't stopped yet. It's continuing. Mm-hmm. So what, you, you, spoke, you spoke a bit about Lucentis and, and the various indications and applications, uh, including what AMD. What, what does the future hold uh, for this drug? What's been the, the biggest challenging in, in, in managing a drug of this, uh, this size and this importance? Yeah, I think one, one challenge is the size, actually. So, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of activities and, and making sure, you know, everything is, is on track, is going well, is co- very coordinated. Is, is a challenge by itself. So we have a we have a large team working on this, 
and uh, you know at my level all the development activities come together so the clinical the regulatory the technical research and development activities and uh, we are still you know continuing developing Lucentis so we are you know for example recently we have uh, we have launched uh, a prefilled syringe in Europe and also in other countries of the world which was really a, a long technical development this was quite challenging but I think we it resulted in a very very good product um, we are also, uh, you know, looking into new diseases. For example, we are planning to start a trial in retinopathy of prematurity um, next year um, to basically, you know, look into the value of uh, Lucentis in, in this indication. We are working on uh, sustained delivery, long-acting delivery for Lucentis. So there are still a lot of uh, development activities, and I think bringing a drug like Lucentis to really its full potential is is uh, something which is, uh, I, I would say, you know, is, is a lot of fun, is, uh, you know, giving a lot of satisfaction, but also needs, you know, a lot of uh, very in-depth strategic thinking and really, you know, need to, to look, you know, what can you do next and what are the, the, the best ways to really develop this uh, compound and bring it to the patients also who need it as quickly as possible. Well, you mentioned earlier you're managing Novartis's uh, retina profile, uh, I'm sorry, portfolio. Uh, how would you characterize the, the products in there? What diseases specifically are you going after? I think you hit upon them a little bit earlier, but in what stage of development are these products? Are, are they more early clinical work, and, and is that uh, of a particular interest to you? Maybe a, a change of pace from Lucentis, which is obviously a very commercial drug, uh, do you do you enjoy sort of going back into the early stages and doing that sort of research? Yeah. So, so what what I'm actually uh, managing at the moment is are the uh, retina or compounds developed in retinal diseases, which basically are uh, below the proof of concept stage. Mm -hmm. So you know those going into uh, phase two B or three or being in this this uh, uh, phases. Um, so, and I'm managing those we have in Novartis Pharma as well as those we, you know, which uh, we have at our um, uh, ophthalmology division at Alcon. So I'm basically working cross-divisionally for, for that part, which is quite interesting actually uh, to begin with. Um, and uh, in, in a big corporation like the Novartis, you know, divisions sometimes work quite differently and to bring this together is, is a very interesting task. Um, with respect to the drugs itself, um, um, I think, you know, we have some areas uh, where we are really interested in developing drugs, some areas we focus on. So this is RET-AMD, so we would really like to, uh, you know, we have a, a follow-up compound uh, for Lucentis, um, uh, S1008, which hopefully is an improved uh, anti-VGF addressing some some things which are probably not ideal with Lucentis, like, for example, uh, frequency of treatments. Um, and then we are looking into uh, a compound uh, to treat uh, dry AMD, but it's a bit earlier. Um, the uh, the aspartanoate will uh, go into phase three development soon. The other one is still in phase two. And uh, we have, of course, um, uh, you may have heard that we have in license recently an anti-PDGF, uh, for Vista from mm -hmm. Oftatec, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think, the most advanced uh, uh, anti-PDGF uh, therapy. It's already in phase three clinical trials. Will uh, be used in combination with anti-PDGF, and uh, you know we we think that this will be the next 
step also for the treatment of patients in VETA-MD to have basically combination therapies which address uh, different aspects of the disease, have different mechanisms of action which are basically complementary and may either further improve the visual acuity outcome or, for example, may address um, you know, the underlying disease itself, so, you know, may address uh, aspects of VET-AMD like fibrosis or the actual uh, choroidal neovascular lesion and lead to lesion regression. So uh, I think this is the future, you know, in this treatment, in this disease area to have combination treatments where you have something like an anti-VGF-like incentive, which brings you the immediate visual acuity gains and then maybe add on some other uh, mechanistic uh, drugs which will address the underlying, uh, you know, disease and, and slow down the disease progression or stop the disease progression and may also then achieve, you know, additional uh, benefit in visual acuity. That's great. We're, we're going to take a quick break for this message and we'll be right back. OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application. And we're back. Dirk, what is your uh, what is your relationship with smaller startups and, and the VCs out there? Are you are you tracking other folks' innovation and uh, and what's your assessment of, of what's going on outside of Novartis's walls? Oh yeah, we do this very actively. So we have uh, we have a team actually which is looking into this. It's called SWAT team, mm-hmm. and they are actively looking for outside opportunities. So we all we are always looking for possibilities to fuel our pipeline, you know, to fill gaps we may have. I mean, we have a very active uh, ophthalmology research organization ourselves, so we we are bringing up quite a lot of interesting drugs through the pipeline, so there will, you know, you will hear, I think, more about Novartis Innovation Ophthalmology uh, uh, in the coming years, but I mean, there are always, of course, you, you cannot do everything, right, and there are always uh, you know, startups, biotech companies, which come up with new mechanisms, different approaches, and uh, you know, we we have an eye on those. I mean, we looked at Oftotech for quite a while, so it was not something we only you know uh, looked into last year, but we we had uh, monitored the progress of that uh, compound, for example, for quite a while. Um, we have uh, recently made an option deal with another startup company for a uh, phase 2A asset. So we invested some money there and we have the possibility if you know the phase 2A, the proof of concept comes out very uh, very well to then you know uh, basically in-license that compound. We have the option for that. And uh, we will do, um, uh, this year we will still do another due diligence with another uh, asset. So um, I think it's very important to you know, to uh, look outside of your company and to actively search for opportunities which are fitting, you know, your portfolio and which are addressing maybe certain gaps where, you know, our research organization, for example, is not specifically looking into, but which may still be interesting. When do you personally get involved in, in these deals with smaller companies? Are you uh, at OIS and other conferences and identifying promising technologies and alerting the SWAT team or, or do you come in later on when 
a deal is already maybe being talked about and uh, and sort of close the deal or or do your own due diligence before a deal is closed. Both. I mean, you know, it, it could be that I I'm at the congress and uh, you know somebody approaches me and uh, talks to me or something and we may not have. I mean, I would then probably you know check with the SWAT team whether we already have that on the radar screen or not and. Uh, uh, you know, these are things, these are possibilities where I might bring things in. Usually they have it on the radar already. When I contact them, they say, yeah, yeah, we, we know about this. So mm. it, it's rare that they don't know. Um, so, so that, that's one, one thing where I'm getting involved so that I have, you know, some initial contacts with, uh, with people. Usually they are approaching me rather than I am approaching them. And then, of course, you know, to later stages when we basically have you know, done a due diligence. I, I'm usually not doing the due diligence myself, so we have a team in there. Um, so when the due diligence has been done and we, you know, then discuss in the franchise, okay, is this an opportunity we would like to continue? And when it then comes to the point where we discuss with our with our management, you know, and we have to propose, okay, you know, we would like to maybe do a deal here, licensing, acquisition, or option deal, then of course I get involved and I, you know, uh, lead the discussions uh, with with our management together, usually together with my commercial colleague and the colleague from BDNA. What is this? Is just kind of off off the cuff question. What what will not get a deal done? If you're a startup listening to this conversation and you're hearing Dirk Sauer talk about, you know, what Bovardis likes to do. What what is uh, what is what has been something in the past perhaps that uh, has prevented a deal from happening. Does does this, does the science or the product, you know, always end up winning the day if it's a good a good technology? You're gonna do that license, or is it a combination of the science and the work of that that startup and that investor team that can that can get the deal done? Is there something that they can do or something they shouldn't do that could sour a deal with with Novartis? I I, I think you know the more data you have, the better. Mm-hmm. Well, quite often, you know, there are um, there are very few data, and I mean, this I, I can understand that because it is uh, um, difficult for you know um, startup companies to do large studies and to generate a lot of data. I mean, for Vista, had a lot of data, right? So there, you know, there was really uh, a good database. So. The, the more data you have, the better. I mean, uh, and this is one thing. I think. I think another thing is if you, you can get, we can get in early, and we can do option deals, which basically mean you know we help uh, to generate, which basically means we help to generate the data. So you know we invest some money, we, we get an option on on the drug if you know the data doesn't look promising. I think these kind of things are, are at least in the past, were things which facilitated doing a deal. Um, I mean, there's always the financial aspect. So, you know, we, of course, give give a certain value to an opportunity. And if this value is not matching, you know, the value, the startup company may give this opportunity. So this, of course, uh, you know, is not always matching. And sometimes it is far apart. That, of course, can also be difficult then to, you know, get the agreement for a huge investment. but I don't think there is like a, um, you know, something like rocket science behind this. You know, I think uh, usually if there's good science, if, you know, there's an uh, interesting mechanism. And if, you know, the data are good, 
there's a fair chance uh, you know that the deal is done. But of course, you also have to see the Wadis is a large company. It's not just ophthalmology. So we have a lot of therapeutic areas. Um, a lot of my colleagues, all of my colleagues from the other areas, are looking into these kind of things as well. And then of course there's also then the question of how our management wants to balance the portfolio and you know what opportunity in which therapeutic area may be the right one at a given time for Novartis. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads into the next question. In the, in the spring, Novartis announced its portfolio transformation. Have you felt ripples from that? What's what's the impact been on ophthalmology? I I I, I don't I wouldn't say I have any direct impact here on ophthalmology. I think that was a um, a, a, a business decision, which you know, with the background of basically focusing on our core business in, in those segments where we are already leaders in the area or belong to the leaders in the area, and where you know, there's also the the, the growth. Um, you know, it was more strategic focus. Um, we had no we had no direct impact on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. I mean, we hired uh, um, two people from from um, the affected uh, divisions, but other than that, um, I, I think the only thing is, you know, that there is a, a, a more clearer focus now, and uh, I think that is that is the only thing where I would say, okay, you know, it's it's, it's more clear now where Novartis is going, but I didn't feel any direct impact on the of, of the of the business, neither I think would say here in the pharma uh, division, but also not in the Alcon division. Interesting. How 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 do you interact with the with the Alcon division? Uh, do you communicate with them, or do you really function as two separate entities? No, I mean as I said, I mean I'm I'm responsible also for the um, yeah. their retina. They have these two retina projects, uh, uh, which which come from Alcon. Um, so I, we have a very close. Collaboration on those. We have uh, um, it's a, it's you know a really cross divisional co-development of these assets, and so I I'm in very close contact uh, with Savel Maccabi, for example, the the head of R&D at Alcon. Um, I talk to him at least once a week, um, and I also envisage that you know we will. I mean, this kind of collaborative approach will rather become more than less over the. Uh, the coming years. I mean, we are in two divisions, which is a bit a historical uh, thing because, you know, the Lucentis uh, program and the OFTA team uh, in, in Pharma already existed before Icon was acquired uh, by Novartis. Um, but eventually, I think we will um, we will have one group dealing with ophthalmology. It's difficult to say when this will be the case, mm-hmm. but it will happen eventually. And outside of Novartis, is, there's often talk and some concern about consolidation of the larger industry players. You know, clearly, if you're one of the few remaining companies, that would seem to put you in a good position. But it might create some downsides as well. How, how do you view industry consolidation, and and how will it impact how you do, how you could do business going forward if it were to continue? Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. There. Not so easy to answer. I sure. think you know there are very successful consolidations. I mean, I I will shortly have my 25th anniversary with Novartis. The first of December, I'm here for 25 years. Oh, great! Which means, <laughs> <laughs> which means I went through the uh, Novartis, uh, sorry, Ciba Sando merger, 
Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I started with Siva Geigi. And, you know, Siva and Sando forming Novartis, I think, is a very successful merger. So I think the, you know, the company Novartis uh, is much more successful and uh, we wouldn't be where we are today, you know, if that merger wouldn't have happened. Um, I'm not sure all mergers are that successful, but I think I have lived through a very good example of consolidation that, you know, in the end resulted in a very successful company. Um, I, I don't think, you know, consolidation per se is bad if it is done for the right reasons. Um, you know, if you have two companies who really fit very well together, who have basically a portfolio which is complementary, um, uh, that, that I think is, 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 then you know it can work very well. There, I think there are also examples where it may not have worked that well, but in general I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. In the Ofta field, um, as I said, I think it's a very dynamic field, so we see some consolidation, but at the same time we see a lot of you know, uh, small companies, biotech, startups, uh, you know, actually arriving uh, at the field. Um, I, I recently read somewhere that, you know, a lot of venture capital is, is currently being invested in ophthalmology. Mm -hmm. So I think it's one of the fields where the capital goes at the moment. So um, I think despite the consolidation we see, there's a lot of activity and a lot of new companies coming up so um, at the moment, I don't. I'm not worried, you know, that this has a a bad impact of the field necessarily. At least that is my my opinion. Great, I hope so. All right, this has been a fantastic talk. Thanks for thank you for taking a few time a few minutes this morning to uh, to share your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. Great. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that OIS podcast with Dirk Sauer of Novartis. Next week, I'll have the opportunity to speak with some newsmakers from our Ophthalmology Innovation Summit, which is this Thursday, October 16th, at the Palmer House Hilton. You still have time to register and meet with ophthalmology's leaders? Go to ois.net or come on down to the Palmer House on Thursday to register. I hope to see you in Chicago, and please listen in next week. Don't miss your chance to attend the next Ophthalmology Innovation Summit at AAO on October 16th in Chicago. OIS will showcase market-changing technologies and provide a forum for industry leaders to discuss and debate the challenges and opportunities facing this dynamic industry. Hear what world-renowned ophthalmologist and inventor Dr. Steve Charles has to say. This is a great forum to get everybody in the same room. These are not separate parts of the puzzle. They've got to be a cohesive unit to work together. We can't see the FDA or the venture capital community's adversarial. They've got to be part of the process. And so this is dialogue. That's what this is about. And it was a very effective forum for that. It's the fifth time they've held it. It's also very effective in the spring at the ASCRS meeting. I'm delighted to be a part of it. So visit the new OIS Super Site for more details and to register at www.ois.net.